Our goals can only be reached through the vehicle of a plan in which we must fervently believe and upon which we must vigorously act. There's no other route to success. That, my dear listeners, is a quote from Pablo Picasso. Now, on the surface, most people are saying, wait a minute, Picasso had a plan with all those abstract or those cubist paintings? Yes, he did. And that is the topic of today's micro show, right? The value and the power of structure in boosting our creativity. If we go back and we look at creativity, right? If creativity is connecting unlikely ideas in novel ways, then following a structured approach can feel very contradictory or even counterproductive at times, right? You can't put borders around spontaneity. I remember thinking that to myself early on in my career, right? Making an actual plan for how you're going to be creative, that often feels just wrong. But it's in developing basic strategies, basic systems and frameworks to support your creative output that you will relieve yourself of the burden of waiting around for lightning to strike, right? This is the curse of so many creatives. They wait around for lightning, for that stroke of genius to show up. If you instead develop these strategies, you will in the process become much more effective. Trust me on this one. This is something I wish I had learned a long, long time ago. It goes way back for me, right? Throughout my childhood, I had way more guidelines than I could handle on what to do and how to do it, right? Nothing was unreasonable in, in, in itself, but I always had some sort of curfew. I always had a slew of daily chores. My parents were quite regimented. There was often a right and a wrong way of doing things. I had a laundry list of rules to follow around the house. You know, my parents kept the heat at 62 degrees, even at dead of winter, uh, I had to put the dirty dishes in the dishwasher a certain way. I had to set the table. And I'm just saying all this to give you a picture, right? My parents are lovely, but they are also very, very fastidious. So again, I had all sorts of guidelines in my life, right? And the same was true with sports, right? I, I played football and soccer and each one of those sports, in addition to all the others that I dabbled in, came with all sorts of rules, right? Academia came with rules, of course, right? All the way through graduate school, though I appreciated the consistency of all these boundaries that they provided, many of the rules, in fact, probably most of them, if I think if I think honestly about this, I had a disdain for them, right? These rules struck me largely as arbitrary, mostly unnecessary, or at least designed solely in the interests of somebody else's convenience and not necessarily to my benefit. Rarely did I see these rules throughout all these different facets of my life as providing value for me. Ultimately, I started seeing these rules and rituals and systems as little disguised mechanisms of control and oppression. Now, it's sort of like you're hearing the 16-year-old version of me in today's show, but you know what? This stuff stays with us. And I bet if you look back in your history, in your childhood or your growth as a young creator, that you may have sensed some of these things. Now, I want to fast forward a few years in my personal and professional development, and it's no stretch, right? Naturally, that the disdain for structure and the frameworks, it started at some point to hinder my early creative career. You know, you can't program creativity, I thought. Creativity, right? It should be spontaneous. I, I would work when I felt inspired by the magical forces from above and do whatever I wanted to do with the rest of my time. They were separate, right? Creativity wasn't about discipline. It was all about freedom. 
And now looking back on that undeveloped view of creativity, it's really obvious to me why I struggled. It's obvious to me that my beliefs were informed by the dominant cultural narrative around artists as you know, wild mystics of people who go off into the woods or to some super cool loft in Soho or some other sacred place and return with a finished masterpiece. Somehow, in reality, this romantic myth has basically nothing in common with what a true working artist does, with the working methods of professionals in any field, and I would say especially the creative ones. Now, today, after a lot of pain and a lot of struggle to learn this, I know now what gets results. What gets results is establishing a consistent creative practice, sticking to it, doing things even when you don't feel like it, discipline, Building even the most basic set of frameworks for creative work has saved me and it can save you a ton of disappointment and it can put you on the fast track to the success and I would argue the fulfillment that you seek. Makes me think of a great story of a friend of mine. His name is Brandon and after flunking out of college in Georgia, Brandon, Brandon Stanton is his name. You may recognize that name as the creator of Humans of New York. Brandon moved to Chicago after filling out a college where another buddy of his in finance helped him land a job as a bond trader. Now, at this point, finance was not an area of passion for Brandon, but he was thrilled, as he described it to me, to be making real money in a respectable position, right? It felt good to be able to show friends and point his family to the fact that he was making something of himself, right? I'm a bond trader in Chicago. So good, in fact, that he became obsessed with the job. It felt like he was valuable. In doing so, he grew emotionally dependent on his identity, the identity of his bond trader, and it gave him a lifestyle that made it possible. He started working nonstop, spending every waking minute thinking about the markets. Now, you know, though this day job took up most of his time and, and virtually all of his attention, Brandon occasionally took a few minutes to photograph urban landscapes or capture portraits of strangers while he was riding the, the bus or the public transit there in Chicago. He shared with me that this was a form of pressure relief, he called it. It was an opportunity to spend just a moment of his day not thinking about money or markets. But he told himself not to get distracted by these pretty pictures, that his real calling was with the markets, despite not prior to these, you know, living this life, not, not prior to it being attached to finances in any way. Now, photography might have been more interesting to him than fixed income securities, but his own security came first. If everything went according to plan, he thought he could make a fortune trading bonds. And then once he'd signaled that he was successful to everybody else in the world, his parents, his friends, his peers, then he'd be free to pursue his passion after he'd insulated himself from any financial peril. Then and only then would he be free to pursue his dreams. Now that belief is pretty common and it kept Brandon going for years, in fact. Then one day he showed up, guess what? Fired. Leaving the building that day and returning to the streets of Chicago, he had an epiphany. After years spent obsessing over money, a subject that he had no real personal interest in whatsoever, after that obsession, after he walked out of his job from where he'd been fired, his mind was suddenly empty. He described it to me as the 
awareness that he suddenly could fill his brain, his time, his life with anything he wanted. He could go wherever and do whatever he wanted. And this sense of freedom, he talks about it as something that was radically inspiring to him. It was intoxicating and he never wanted it to end. So it was then that Brandon made a bold decision, but bold in that it would eventually create value for millions and millions of people around the world. He made it his goal from that moment forward to spend time doing what brought him joy. He was tired of promising himself that he would get creative and live the life that he wanted to one day, right? Someday after he'd built this financial buffer, after he'd provided security for himself and his future family, he decided then and there that instead he would begin living the life that he wanted now, today, fresh out of a job and with no buffer at all. Sound familiar or sound like something you've thought about? Well, here's what Brandon did. He struck on the idea of a photo project. And this project, something he made up on the spot, was taking street portraits of thousands of New Yorkers. He had the idea that, you know what? What if I just got great at taking portraits of people on the streets of New York? Sounds interesting. He was compelled. He was energized by the the prospect of New York. And to fund the trip, he actually did this. To fund the trip, he sold a handful of landscape photos to his friends, ones that he had already done while in Chicago, those ones that I mentioned you know, early, early in his career that he originally had thought of as a distraction. He sold those landscape photos to friends, used the money to move to New York. And upon arriving in New York, he slept on a mattress on the floor of a sublet apartment in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn, right? Comfort and security took a backseat And he decided, he was aware that he had work to do. Now, if you're familiar with Humans of New York, you'll barely recognize the first images on the site. Go way back to the earliest versions of the blog. You can find it in the Wayback Machine on the internet or early, early, early in his Instagram. Go all the way back. There's no likes or comments on these posts, right? The photos did not even have captions. After spending months and months posting portraits every day, all for a following numbering in the hundreds, well under a thousand, let's just say, something critical happened. He told me the story that he felt stymied with only one mediocre portrait in the queue for that day that he had to post. He remembered saying something to the woman, uh, the subject of his portrait, who was wearing a green, you know, green jacket, I think. She had said to him, You know, I used to go through different stages, but then I found that I was happiest when I was green. So I've been green for 15 years. In that day where you only had one picture to post, in that day where you only had one picture to post, he remembered this phrase that this woman uttered, right? And he decided to post that caption with the photo. Something magical happened, right? It became the most engaged with photo he'd ever posted. And this was, this is the artistic intuition that we all have that we usually ignore. In this moment, Brandon didn't. He decided to follow that intuition as a a part, a missing piece of a formula that he could execute in a special way, right? It was the story. It was a photograph plus a caption. Now, he had already lost fear about approaching strangers after you know, moving to New York and, and taking all sorts of portraits and posting them with, you know, even, even though no one essentially was watching his work. He'd lost that fear, so he was able to then simply get to work, 
posting pictures and accompanying those pictures with narratives that he'd learned from talking to the subjects of his photographs about their lives. And, and he did so in a really compelling and simple way, right? He condensed what he learned into a caption below each picture. And that's when things really started to get moving for Brandon. You know, early social media traction led to interest from a literary agent and, and a book deal. Let's fast forward a number of years, right? Today, <laughs> my pal Brandon Stanton has tens of millions of followers across all sorts of channels, right? Multiple best-selling books, number one, multiple times. He's got a video series on Facebook, watch. He had uh, a film series. He has given millions and millions to charity, right? Beyond achieving more wealth than he'd ever hoped for, he's raised like literally millions of dollars for charities around the world. All of this through the structure of a daily practice, a willingness to embrace work and risk, and a readiness to follow his intuition. That is the key, the thing that so many of us get wrong, right? The combination of structure and willingness to trust our intuition. Through that magical combination that's available to you, you listening to this right now, as a, through the vehicle of that combination, Brandon has today become one of the best known and most prolific living photographers and storytellers. How did he start? First, he decided to believe that he could change his own situation through his creativity. Next, he identified as a photographer. He used this as his identity, as a storyteller, as a creator, right? And third, he took regular and consistent action towards the goal of telling the story of thousands of New Yorkers, right? This simple but very intentional act of doing those three steps, heading out in the morning with his camera, taking pictures and posting them. These basic steps ultimately created staggering momentum through simple daily actions. Right, His simple daily actions created enormous outsized results. So that is the question that I will leave you with today. This is the story of Brandon Stanton and Humans of New York, but what is your story? What are the small daily actions that you can employ to create that would yield rather outsized results? Is it about sort of step one, identifying as a creator and owning a niche and, and being comfortable to put yourself out there? Or is it the regular consistent action toward your goal, keeping a commitment to yourself, posting something every day, sharing something, doing some work, writing 500 words, writing 10 lines of code? What is it? Again, there are sets of simple intentional acts that you can do today that will create the living and the life that you want. It's your job to look inward, to find those things through action and get to work. Don't think for a second that structure is antithetical to creative work. In fact, it can be absolutely critical in getting you where you want to go. Until next time, have an amazing day. All right, hey, before you go, thanks so much for listening. And if you got value from this show, chances are your community will too, right? In the particular lies the universal. Please share this link to the show with a friend or mention the show on social. That is a huge benefit for us in hopefully in exchange for providing value to you. I want you to know that I really appreciate your time, the attention, anything that you give to the show and the questions that you ask our guests either on social media or through my text community. All of that is pure gold. This community, like any community, 
is a testament to that old phrase, a rising tide floats all boats. And by elevating one another, by sharing and resharing this show, the tidbits that you learn and the experiences you take away, all of that has a collective, massive positive impact on the world. So just a quick thank you. I appreciate all the effort you put into sharing the show. All right, that's a wrap. Let's put today's episode into practice and get back to growing together.